einer neuen Folge von The Canadian Wants to Know. Ein Podcast für Englischlernende in Deutschland, der kraftvolle Geschichten und anregende Fragen nutzt, damit ihr auf unterhaltsame Weise eure Sprachkenntnisse verbessern, vertiefen und festigen könnt. Hier ist euer Host, The Canadian George Robledo. Welcome to the Canadian Wants to Know podcast. On this episode, I'm going to share the story of one of my other heroes, and this time it's a German. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was born February 4, 1906 in Breslau, Germany, which is now in Poland. He grew up in the academic circles of Berlin, where his father, Karl Bonhoeffer, was a professor of psychiatry and neurology. His father was one of the most prominent psychiatrists to oppose the euthanasia program that was initiated by Hitler in 1939. So he grew up in a family with a very strong inclination towards academics, a family, a very well-off family where education was very much the center of the household. And from 1923 to 1927, Bonhoeffer, he decided to go to university and study theology at the universities of Tübingen and Berlin. He then moved to Barcelona and he worked there for a year. And then he was sent to New York City. And that's where he spent one year of his life. And he met an African-American man and he joined that man's congregation, his church, which was a black church. And that's when Bonhoeffer, for the first time, he becomes aware of the discrimination that African-Americans experience, are experiencing in the United States at that time. This opens up his eyes to this reality and it influences him as he returns to Germany and confronts and is confronted by the situations with uh, the Jews in Germany, the Judenfrage. So that time in the United States had an influence on him, which later had an impact on how he dealt with the situation that was changing in Germany. From the first days of the Nazi ascension to power in 1933, Bonhoeffer was involved in protests against the regime, especially its anti-Semitism. So he was one of the first people to notice that what was happening in his country was wrong. And he was one of the first people to speak up, to raise his voice in protest against what was happening. The Lutheran Church, and that's the church that he belonged to, they supported Hitler. So Bonhoeffer, he, he becomes... Uh, disenchanted, he, he becomes disappointed in the church. So he joins and he founds another church called the Confessing Church. And this church opposes the Nazi regime and they openly speak out against what is happening in Germany. In 1937, he writes a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in this book, he talks a lot about how in the Lutheran Church, the Evangelische Kirche, the, the main church of, of Germany, had become influenced by these ideas. He called it cheap grace, where, yeah, you can do whatever you want. There's no problem. There's no ethical rules anymore. And he blamed that for 
the reasons why the church and, and many of the Christians in that time period had accepted the, the things that the Nazi regime was doing and were not willing to stand up for their beliefs and didn't have any, any strong foundation in what they believed in. So that's what he believed in that time period. So he spoke out against it and he wrote uh, several books about it. Bonhoeffer's own involvement became increasingly political. So until that point, it was more in terms of his theological ideas. And now in 1938, he starts to become much more political. His brother-in-law, his name was Hans von Donanyi. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. But he, his brother was actively involved in a group that was trying to overthrow Hitler's regime, that was trying to take Hitler down. So Bonhoeffer becomes involved with this group. And for a time, when he sees that the situation in Germany was getting very critical, very, very, very negative, he thinks about, you know, maybe I need to go away to the United States and wait until all of this is over because he knew that his life was at risk. So he went to the United States, but after only two weeks, he realized, oh, this is the wrong decision. I need to return to my country. So he wrote his sponsor and he said, I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share in the trials of this time with my people. So he returns to Germany knowing that his life is at risk, knowing that he could face jail time. He knows he could even lose his life if he continues to speak out against the government and fight for the rights of, uh, of the Jewish people in Germany. He said, another thing that Bonhoeffer said, he said, the church was silent when it should have cried out because the blood of the innocent was crying aloud to heaven. So he knew this was wrong. What was happening in Germany, he knew that it was wrong and he spoke out against it. And he was so disappointed that the church stayed silent. Bonhoeffer and von Donanyi, his brother-in-law, they personally helped several Jews escape Nazi Germany and, and leave and escape to Switzerland. Despite the restrictions, because the government was watching Bonhoeffer, he was able to continue his work for the resistance movement undercover. He was a type of spy. He worked in Germany's military intelligence department, but in fact, he was a double agent. He was actually working to bring down the government. Bonhoeffer was finally arrested April 5th, 1943, and he was imprisoned in Berlin. Following the failure of the attempt on Hitler's life, so someone planted a bomb and tried to kill Hitler, on July 20th, 1944, when that attempt failed, they found several documents that linked Bonhoeffer directly to this conspiracy to bring down the government. And because of it, he was eventually executed. Bonhoeffer was 39 years old when he was hanged and, and killed. There are three points that I want to discuss in relation to the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And the first one is based on a quote from, from Bonhoeffer, which says, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. 
If I had lived during the Second World War, would I have resisted the Nazis or would I have stayed silent? This is a question I've asked myself several times and my answer is, I think I would have stayed silent. It's very easy now in the year 2021 to look back and say, oh yeah, what happened here in Germany in the 1930s? It was a horrible thing. I would have never supported such a regime. But if I had lived in that society at that time, going through the things that was happening in that time period, I don't think I would have had the courage to speak up. I'm almost certain I would have done what the majority of Germans did, which was nothing. The majority of people did nothing. I think for me, I I would have seen my Jewish neighbors disappear and I would have stayed quiet. I would have seen the vandalism of Jewish shops and walked to the other side of the street. I would have seen Jews being crammed into trains and continued my way to work. And why am I sure that this would have been my response? Because the world is not all that different in the year 2021. There are people in this moment, in the moment that I'm speaking, who are experiencing discrimination and persecution. And do I say or do anything about it? The answer is no. So why do I think that I would have behaved in a different way in the year 1933 if in the year 2021, with all of the knowledge that I have, I don't do anything. I stay quiet. There are thousands of refugees sitting in camps on the edge of Europe in this moment. Many have drowned trying to cross the Mediterranean Sea. There are millions of women and children in Yemen caught in the middle of a war. Saudi Arabia is using weapons bought from European and American arms dealers to bomb schools and hospitals. We put our plastic into these yellow bags and we think, okay, yeah, this plastic is being recycled. But the truth is that not even half of it gets recycled. A lot of it just ends up in landfills in countries like Malaysia where it is burned and it puts these toxic chemicals into the air that the people there breathe. It makes them sick. When we look, when we go to stores to, to buy our clothing, the fast fashion industry the things that they do in these countries, they pollute the rivers and the air in these poorer countries. And many people get sick and it causes a lot of death and destruction in these countries. So we don't simply stay silent to these things that are happening in the world right now. Oftentimes we actively participate in making things worse for other people on this planet. And I know it can seem overwhelming because when, when you hear all of this information of what's happening in the world, it can become depressing. And oftentimes we can feel powerless, like, oh man, George, there's just so many problems. What can I do? I'm just one person. But I'm of the opinion that something is better than nothing. I don't think we, we need to go and, and change everything in our lives like ideally in a perfect world yes but if we can take small steps towards creating more justice and fairness in the world that's better than staying silent and doing nothing the reason i admire bonhoeffer so much is because he stood up for the jews even though he was not a jew 
He was a man of privilege. He came from a wealthy family. He didn't need to put his life on the line. He could have had a comfortable life if he had chosen to stay quiet. But he didn't do that. And that's why I want to be more like him. And it makes me a little bit sad because in many ways, I'm nothing like him. So my question to you is, do you raise your voice against injustice or do you stay silent? The second point I want to discuss is, it's not how long you live, but how you live. Bonhoeffer was killed in a concentration camp a few weeks before the Nazi regime was taken down. He was only 39 years old. What this tells me is I don't need to live to 100 in order to make a difference in the world. Malala, 15 years old when she stood up against the Taliban in Afghanistan, Martin Luther King, 39 years old when he was shot and killed. These men and women, they didn't live long lives. Well, Malala is still alive, but they made an impact in the short period of time that they were on this planet. I'm 33. If my life were to end today, how will I be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? I I know that For me, I want my life to mean something. And not simply for for me, I want it to mean something to others. And I, I believe that in order to make life meaningful, we need to serve others. I, I believe in service. I think that's what makes that's what can make life meaningful. The third point that I want to discuss is you never know how your life will impact others. During the apartheid years in South Africa, some white South Africans, they were influenced by the writings of Bonhoeffer. They read and they realized, oh man, what is happening in our country in this moment is evil. This system that we're living under is wrong. And they raised their voice against the government. There were also black South Africans who were inspired by Bonhoeffer In order to fight for freedom, they realized from the writings of Bonhoeffer that what they were doing was correct, that they needed to destroy and bring down this government of oppression. Decades after the death of Bonhoeffer, his writings were still impacting the lives of millions of people around the world. And even today, his writings impact me. They force me to think differently about life and service and justice. Bonhoeffer, in one of his quotes, he said, The ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leaves to its children. So my question is, what do you want to leave behind to the next generation? So let's do a quick recap. Silence in the face of evil is evil. There are things that are happening in this world that are unfair. There is a lot of injustice. And as long as we stay silent, nothing will change. So we need to raise our voice, even if that is simply to reduce our plastic consumption or to reduce the number of fashion items that we buy at these cheap um, locations. The second point was, it's not how long you live, but how you live. You don't need to live a long life in order to make an impact on others or to leave something behind to the next generation. It can simply be 
by smiling and by supporting your your neighbor by doing the little things that can make and improve the lives of the people around you. You don't need to be a Bonhoeffer, but even the small things can make an impact. And the third point was, you never know how your life will impact others. I don't think I'll ever know exactly how this podcast or the conversations I've had with people I don't know the long-term impact that this will have on people. Maybe it will have no impact. That's also possible. But I have hope that someone listening to this podcast can reflect and say, you know what? It is true. I want to be an active participant in making the lives of the people around me a little bit better. And I don't want to stay silent when I see situations that are unfair and when I see injustice. I'm interested to get your answers to the following question. How do you want to be remembered when you die? That's it. For this episode, if you enjoyed it, please leave a review and share it with your friends. I published an online course to help Germans correct their most common mistakes in English. You can click on the link in the show notes for more information. Also... Bis nächstes Mal. 